0: on this week's episode number six of the midi innovation vault series the deep dive into medical and scientific accelerators incubator labs and development communities midi medical product development ceo gregory montalbano is speaking with katie Ruther who is the executive director at Penn Health Tech, located at the University of Pennsylvania. Katie received a BS in biomedical engineering with an emphasis in mechanical engineering from the College of New Jersey, a PhD in bioengineering from the University of Pennsylvania, and an MBA from Columbia University. In addition, she serves as an associate professor in bioengineering at the University of Pennsylvania. Most recently, Katie was a senior lecturer in design, innovation, and entrepreneurship in the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Columbia University. Katie serves as a consultant for BioComX, an organization that trains and supports researchers, professionals, and early-stage companies in commercializing medical technologies. In this role, Katie has acted as a project manager for NIH programs, including the Concept Clinic, Commercializing Innovation, also known as the C3I, and the Rapid Acceleration of Diagnostics RADX program. Katie also co-founded Syntegrity Biomedical, orthopedic medical device startup, and serves as an advisory board member for Neopenda. On today's podcast, Greg and Katie will be discussing in detail what the Center for Health, Devices, and Technology at the University of Pennsylvania, or Penn Health Tech for short, and its associated accelerator is all about. A deep dive will be taken into the history and inner workings of Penn Health Tech and the University of Pennsylvania ecosystem partners. Together, they will discuss the methods of mentoring and support offered to the entrepreneurial groups spanning medical, scientific, and biotechnology applications. Katie will also outline the various Penn Health Tech corporate, university, industry, as well as venture partner networks that support their teams. Greg and Katie's discussions will also include what Penn Health Tech looks for in early stage health technology, medical device teams and startups, as well as how they can apply to the various programs offered. Lastly, today's podcast discussion will highlight new biotech and medtech innovative initiatives and exciting breakthroughs that are expected on the horizon from the Penn Health Tech teams and alumni. Katie will also discuss real world examples and what she has personally experienced. Leading and participating in various entrepreneurial training programs, and what she looks for as the new executive director for Penn Health Tech. So please stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the MIDI Innovation Vault podcast. My name is Gregory
1: Montalbano, and I'm your host as well as principal of MIDI Medical Product Development. On today's show, we have Katie Ruther, who is the executive director at Penn Health Tech, located on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania. Katie, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks very much for having me, Greg. Happy to be here.
1: So, Katie, could you please share with the listeners your background as well as your organization's passion of taking early entrepreneurial groups, research and technology, and applying the Penn Health Tech supporting methods to de risk, validate, and grow their entrepreneurial ideas?
2: Yeah, sure, Greg. So I'll definitely start with my background. Um, So I've been engaged with translational research and academic entrepreneurship uh, for a little over 10 years. Uh, First, during my PhD training at the University of Pennsylvania, where I performed research, trying to address important clinical questions through basic science and engineering. Um, And during my PhD, we discovered a lot of interesting injury and repair mechanisms in the area of orthopedic research. And we published a lot of papers Um, And I became really eager to understand how our findings were going to be translated to improved clinical outcomes and or perhaps changes in clinical practice. Uh, So towards the end of my PhD, I really started to feel a personal responsibility and drive to explore that question further of how our research could impact clinical care. Um, And so to that end, after my Ph.D., I joined Columbia University in a faculty role and was really motivated to pursue some of the clinical research, as well as uh, collaborating with different surgeons to confirm some of our basic research findings that we found during my Ph.D., I also got the chance to be involved in uh, Columbia's Coulter Translational Research Partnership, which is now referred to as the Columbia Biomedical Engineering Technology Accelerator. And that's an interdisciplinary program um, that aims to catalyze the advancement of university technologies being developed by both clinical and engineering faculty from the lab to the market. And that really led me in a direction and in my passion towards finding out how to best support the translation of research and the development of new technologies within a university setting from the bench to the bedside to ultimately impact patients' lives. Uh, So in summary, for the past 10 years, I've seen academic research and commercialization from multiple angles, including participating in the basic science and clinical research side, leading that biomedical technology accelerator. I also received formal business training through my MBA at Columbia Columbia, and consulted on various NIH commercialization programs, co-founded a medical device startup, served on an advisory board on a pre-commercial and now commercial stage, university spin out, and I've also been engaged with educating and supporting numerous students and faculty around design, innovation, and entrepreneurship, as well as commercialization. So my personal and professional journey is, has brought me back to Penn uh, in this new role, which I'm really excited to join through Penn Health Tech. Uh, and Penn Health Tech is really the culmination a sort of all, all the, the, the background work that I've been doing and the training I've been doing and really aims to create and advance transform technology is being developed at the University of Pennsylvania into useful products that could advance health as well as healthcare.
1: You have a great background and uh, for this podcast I'm talking to several accelerators incubator labs uh, as well as uh, biomedics group uh, additionally that you are part of and in Understanding that each center has their own unique approach, their own value proposition when they select, mentor, and support their entrepreneurial group members. So, the listeners and I are very interested in learning about the University of Pennsylvania's Penn Health Tech ecosystem. So, Katie, could you describe for the listeners what Penn Health Tech and the Health Tech Accelerator Program, known as HDA, is all about? And it's supporting groups within the university system.
2: Sure. Yeah. So Penn Health Tech is a university-wide effort uh, to advance Penn's world-class discoveries and breakthroughs into medical devices and health technologies that have the potential to benefit human health and society. So our center started about four years ago with an initial aim to really connect the School of Engineering, School of Medicine, and other Penn partners along and aligned with this mission. So the primary way we're achieving this is through our Health Tech Accelerator program, which aims to facilitate early ideation, development, testing, and eventually commercialization of new health technologies. And the program really provides three main components. That includes some pilot funding, project support, and project management, And then lastly, resource connections. And so we work very closely with several partners within the university ecosystem in order to achieve this, including the Penn Center for Innovation, which is Penn's technology transfer office, the Center for Healthcare Innovation, which is located at Penn Medicine, the health system, um, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is also a partner of ours, and then several other Penn centers and programs.
1: So how does... Can health tech create that environment where members can learn and apply their entrepreneurial thinking and innovation for the process of their growth and development related to their healthcare, life science, technology application?
2: We're really trying to be a place that both faculty and students uh, and early trainees and innovators in the health system will come to and attract and help navigate some of these entrepreneurship and innovation processes. We certainly lead that through our accelerator program, but we're also meant to be a location to help our innovators navigate opportunities at Penn, in the Philadelphia ecosystem, and beyond. And so we all know that there's many opportunities available to... To early health tech innovators and entrepreneurs. And we make sure to communicate those opportunities and make our community aware of these beyond Penn Health Tech and others in the Philadelphia ecosystem, as well as national programs to support these early innovators. We also provide our own structured educational opportunities, including workshops and speaker series. Um, But we also make sure our community is aware of those through our communications team, Um, our health tech accelerator program, which again is sort of our flagship program. This is a cohort based program and so the way that we engage our community here is we do an annual solicitation or call for proposals where teams or innovators are will apply and receive feedback from medical device experts on the strength of their solution. Um, the potential for impact, as well as the potential for commercialization. And so all teams that engage in our accelerator program or at least apply for our program will receive feedback. Um, And then the subset are invited for participation in the full accelerator program, which where we provide that funding, we provide project management and as well as resource connections for teams.
1: So talking about the ecosystem, I've seen in A lot of accelerators, incubators, there's a lot of value for development community to offer that support for its early entrepreneurs and startups in an ecosystem that scales beyond the core group. So how does your organization position itself with its early entrepreneurial groups to fulfill the role of that fostered collaboration with other entities, such as the university, obviously, where it all starts, then there's industry partners other strategic partners, hospital networks, healthcare networks, or life science players, as well as venture partner networks.
2: This is a really big piece of the ingredient, Greg. I think we all know that innovation is really a team sport, and we must include all of these stakeholders in in the process in order to really have a successful venture and an idea that can really reach patients. So in our case, we make sure to include a lot of these external experts, including industry folks and strategic partners early in the review process specifically for our accelerator program in order to get input on their orientation and perspective on some of these early ideas. And also with an understanding that they're perhaps complementary programs who offer later stage you know, accelerator programs or incubators, as well as opportunities for prototyping and regulatory support that our teams would be interested in accessing after engagement with us. So we try to get that input early in the process and so we include those experts in our review process. We also, as we select projects to engage with, we want to make sure that they have the potential to soft land somewhere else within our ecosystem, whether it be um, prototyping partners or perhaps strategic partners uh, with uh, perhaps licensing opportunities. And so we don't want our support and funding to be a bridge to nowhere. So we're really mindful of um, that throughout the process and trying to understand where the next funding or support will come from after we're de-risking specific milestones within the university setting. And so we make sure to include and engage these stakeholders throughout the process. And at Penn, I think we're pretty uniquely positioned, and that's what's pretty exciting is – We have engagement um, and support from our health system, as well as the university side. And so we really do have that opportunity for early testing and implementation right in a a wonderful ecosystem partner, which is Penn Medicine.
1: Academia and industry. And uh, could you share your thoughts relative to the best methods of optimizing and maintaining alignment between both sides of academia And industry during early or later stage biotech or biomedical development, in essence, bridging that translational gap. So my question is, how does Penn Health Tech bridge that gap?
2: Yeah, so this you know is is an important area and something that is probably the reason why our center exists and a lot of other accelerators within universities exist. Uh, and so oftentimes how, how this worked out is a lot of these programs within universities, including ours, came about um, to provide some initial funding to de-risk projects, and that's certainly something that we uh, we do um, our center Penn Health Tech. But we also help uh, by providing and and forging collaborative connect between academia and industry partners, so that we can make those connections and hopefully bridge that gap. Uh, it does go back to kind of including some of those industry partners early in our process um, to get a cl- uh, an early look at some of the technologies that we're interested in supporting. But when we also fund and support these projects, this is really expected to serve as a bridge to further investment. So I mentioned that previously with our awards being granted to perform specific tasks and really de-risk and validate specific technical and or commercial hypotheses versus perhaps a scientific hypothesis, which what might be more traditional way you might be supporting research within universities. So early input from industry experts and advisors on what those specific milestones should be in order to de-risk the technology and the specific hypotheses about commercialization is really part of our evaluation criteria when we engage with our teams. I think a major part of the reason for this translational gap um, is also due to that lack of funding towards these early unproven and higher risk ideas that we often see in universities, but even if we're able to provide that funding, uh, we also need to really understand where that further financial investment is gonna be coming from, because we know uh, more is gonna be needed in order to really bring uh, the proposed solution to the bedside. So it's really critical for us to get that input early and often from potential funders, as well as um, any strategic partners about what they would wanna see in terms of a data package or perhaps a stage of technology in order to perhaps partner or invest in these technologies. Um, And then lastly, you know, I think another major reason for this gap is perhaps the lack of uh, resources and and knowledge and support uh, for some of these early stage technical and scientific teams on uh, some of the commercialization considerations. So we do offer that educational programming as well as mentorship from business advisors as part of our accelerator program in order to help fill some of that knowledge gap.
1: Are Penn Health Tech programs open to anyone, or is it just the University of Pennsylvania research students, alumni, or faculty?
2: So, to be eligible for our Health Tech Accelerator program, which is our flagship program, the PI or principal investigator or team leader must be a full time employee of the University of Pennsylvania. Penn Medicine, or the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And we do have some students that will engage in these projects as well, but it's through the team lead that is a full-time employee of Penn, Penn Medicine, or CHOP. So
1: what's the typical makeup of a Penn Health Tech or an affiliated organization, entrepreneurs? So do they run from early research stage groups to fully funded companies?
2: Most of our teams are comprised of a clinical lead um, and or an engineering and scientific lead. And so several of our teams do, as I said, include graduate students and our postdocs who are helping support the development of the technology as well. So the ideas can range from clinicians who have identified an unmet clinical need and have an initial idea for a solution and are looking for connections to engineers or, or prototyping support. Uh, being performed in academic labs or perhaps even later stage research that is de-risks enough in terms of the scientific hypotheses and now ready to think about some of the commercial milestones and uh, uh, testing and addressing those specific hypotheses. We also have alumni that are from our program that are funded companies and that's really part of one of our goals is to get these technologies out of the university and into startups or perhaps with strategic partners and those companies we try to continue to support through different resource connections as well as opportunities to engage the investor community.
1: Okay. So, what have you witnessed lately that's being developed by Penn Health Tech entrepreneurs, which would be considered industry hot topics or new technology applications or growth areas in med tech or biomed tech?
2: Yeah, there are several exciting Penn spin-outs that have been funded by Penn Health Tech that I could share a little bit more about. Uh, one, of the, one of the recent startups that came out of Penn and, and was funded through Penn Health Tech is a company called Osiflex, And so this is a, a medical device that is being, is being developed to address and uh, address the issue of blood clot prevention. Um, And so the team is, is addressing the problem of venous thromboembolism or VTEs, which is a leading cause of complication and death for hospitalized patients. And so they've developed something called the Ossipol system that is based on some of the scientific research in the lab. Uh, around uh, venous thromboembolism. And what this device does is it creates rapid shallow bursts of compression to enhance venous blood flow. And so this group is is really uh, continuing to advance the technology and is working uh, towards identifying uh, partners for commercialization. Um, Another kind of exciting project is out of the lab of a bioengineering faculty member named Dan Ha. Uh, And so they've created something called the human blinking eye on a chip. And so this is a, uh, a technology that's addressing the need that's emerged for new and reliable techniques for assessing ocular complications. And so one of the ways that, the, that groups are doing this is, by, or this group in particular is doing this, is by utilizing an in vitro model that has the potential to scale the experimentation of this human tissue and hopefully to predict human responses even better than animal testing might've done. So they've developed a solution that is a blinking in vitro model of the human ocular surface that is being used to study eye diseases and test new drugs. And, And they've had some great success and have some current sponsored research through industry collaborations to do some of that testing. Another technology that was developed through Penn Health Tech and funded through Penn Health Tech is a company called RightAir, which is developing a wearable ventilator. Uh, and so this team was really trying to address an issue for COPD patients, which is a condition that causes intolerable shortness of breath. And the way that these patients usually Treated is by providing supplemental oxygen and inhaled medication. But unfortunately these patients aren't able to perform basic activities of daily living like navigating a single flight of stairs. So this team is developing this wearable mechanical breathing assist device that can perform the work of breathing and have got some really great traction recently in their company and, and it's fundraising. And so we're really looking forward to see their continued progress and development of some of the exciting uh, projects that are coming out of Penn and Penn Health Tech.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. So Katie, what I wanted to discuss now is what type of groups and our companies does Penn Health Tech consider for acceptance into the different programs offered? And how do you recommend those groups to get started on their path to be part of the Penn Health Tech ecosystem?
2: Yeah, so I think I'll start with the the second question, which was how they might get started. And so anybody really that's interested in health tech, uh, innovation, entrepreneurship, and would like to get more information or support for an idea, we want to engage with them early and often. So they can definitely reach out to us uh, via email, uh, access our website. They should attend office hours They can also kind of engage in some of the workshops that we offer. And so we really want that to happen early. Um, And then, in terms of uh, other things that we can provide in terms of being accepted into our accelerator program, we have this annual funding cycle through our accelerator program. And so we'll make an announcement about when those are offered and teams can apply. And you'll all get early feedback from some of these medical device experts. And then a subset are selected for funding for our program. So if you have an early idea, that is addressing a real unmet clinical need and has the potential for commercialization, we encourage you to chat with us and, and, and learn more.
1: Okay. So when a medical or biotech group is accepted into the Health Tech Accelerator program, are there costs or fees involved for that startup or is it subsidized by the program? And is also, is there any funding that can be won or sourced through your organization's structure and connections?
2: Yeah, so there's no costs or fees associated with being involved with our um, accelerator program, but we do provide that initial funding uh, that it kind of would be considered an award for projects. The the way we do this is we employ like a stage gate model of project management that's often seen in industry where the funding is going to be issued subject to achieving specific agreed upon milestones around some of those technical and commercialization de-risking activities. So that's how we deploy our funding. So we also try to make connections to local investors and other funding resources after engagement with us in our accelerator program, as well as during the process so that they can soft land with some of that additional support after engagement with Penn Health Tech.
1: Excellent. So how long does each program run?
2: Our accelerator program runs about one year. Um, So kind of a cohort based program where they'll engage with us for about a year. However, we do continue to support alumni after that one year engagement.
1: Okay. And what's your best advice that you'd be willing to share with early entrepreneurial groups so they best understand how to position themselves to be seriously considered for acceptance into the Penn Health Tech program?
2: We're really looking for teams that have an interest in learning and in bringing their technology from the lab to the market to really impact human health. And ultimately, that means a willingness to hear um, and incorporate expert feedback on their envisioned product. Uh, and be coachable and and kind of willing to include include feedback from some of these external stakeholders which we've discussed before including you know industry and and health system feedback and feedback from investors we've seen that the tendency of some of the our technical teams are, are is to keep tweaking the technology trying to achieve higher and better levels of performance But our objective really early on or or hopefully the team's objectives early on should be to perform um, key experiments to test these technical and and or commercial hypotheses with really quick um, and and pretty low cost experiments that are hopefully going to lead to a quick no go or go decision. So that's really what we're looking for. Teams that are interested in bringing their ideas out and outside of the university to make an impact on human health and teams that are coachable and, and willing to kind of take a lot of this feedback early on.
1: Okay, so Katie, this has all been great and myself as well as the MIDI Innovation Vault podcast listeners appreciate your time and your knowledge. With the minutes we have left, if a healthcare or life science company wanted to be considered for your programs, what is the best way for them to reach out to you or to the Penn Health Tech team?
2: The best way to connect with us is probably via email. So you can connect with us at htec at penmedicine.upen.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter at Penn Health Tech to see about some of our events and other happenings in the Philadelphia and uh, national ecosystem. Or you could also visit our website, which is healthtech.upenn.edu and sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop.
1: Excellent. So, again, if any MIDI Innovation Vault podcast listeners have any questions about this episode, you can also email us directly at innovation at midipd.com and we'll reach out to you. So with the seconds we have left, what golden nugget of wisdom would you like to pass on to an entrepreneurial startup during their early stage of research, planning, and growth?
2: It is like incredibly critical early on to not only develop the technology, but also validate both the problem being solved and the business case for a solution. And so the advice is really to seek that input early on. And the only way this can really be achieved is by getting out of the building, as Steve Blank would say, who coined that through some of the Lean Launchpad and iCore programming, Um, getting out of the building, talking to people to test specific assumptions and hypotheses about the problem you are solving, what value your solution is going to provide and where it might fit in into the existing clinical workflow. And it's really better to understand this early in the process before spending significant time and money on building a technology or solution that perhaps nobody would want or need because you didn't get that early input on. So do that early and often.
1: That's really good advice. So I want to thank our guest, Katie Ruther from the Penn Health Tech for her time today, and again, Katie, thank you for being here and sharing your thoughts, knowledge, and insight. Just a reminder to our many Innovation Vault podcast listeners to please tune in to the next podcast, episode seven of this series. In episode seven, I will have as my podcast guest eHealth Ventures co-founder Stephen Shapiro. Stephen and I will discuss methods and resources as applied to supporting. Mentoring, de risking, and validating e health ventures, entrepreneurial members, transformative digital health technologies and applications that are poised to materialize change within the healthcare industry. We'll catch you next time.
0: You've been listening to episode six of MIDI's Innovation Vault series on the deep dive into medical and scientific accelerators, incubator labs, and development communities with host and principal of MIDI Medical Product Development, Gregory Montalbano. If you have any questions or comments on today's podcast, or would like to schedule a complimentary consultation with Greg about your business, you can reach him by phone at 1-631-467-8686 or email at innovation at midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D dot If you enjoyed this podcast content, please follow Midi on social media. Or if you'd like to download informative industry-related white papers and supporting material, please visit Midi's website at www.midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D dot